0: There's no sound from the other tent, so I quietly let the air out of my mattress and pillow and go through the routine of packing each piece in its place. Sleeping bag, tent, mat, electronics, extra clothes, and the bear canister, with the rain gear nestled at the top since I expect to use it today. It's misty now and humid as I push straight up towards the Lutzen ski area. Switchbacks and steep rock-strewn trail give me a workout first thing in the morning— But I feel strong, my breath even and my heart pounding loudly. A huge flat rock opens out to a whiteout. I have breakfast here of pecan-fortified raisin bran and powdered whole milk. I'm carrying two liters of water, not exactly certain where my first stream will be. A very light drizzle moistens my skin. I hear something crashing in the forest. I wonder if I really need to be going this soon. But I decide, yeah, let's see how it feels to get moving in the early hours and mimic what it feels like on a real thru-hike. You're listening to The Blissful Hiker Podcast. I'm Allison Young, The Blissful Hiker, sometime professional flutist, sometime voice artist, and full-time pedestrian. Thanks so much to Lecky Trekking Poles and Belega Socks for their support. Also, Summit Orthopedics giving me two total hip replacements. I guess you could call me Bionic Bliss these days. My goal in sharing stories of walking long-distance trails as a solo, female, middle-aged, titanium-reinforced hiker is to empower you to learn to hike your own hike, too. The trail is steep, rocky, and rooty. I push myself hard and realize that it's right here that I'll know if my hiking mojo can be rekindled. I think about some of the stories that Julie and Felix told me last night. They stopped at a campsite, and a man was there with a growling dog. When Julie asked if the dog liked people, the man told her no, adding, There's no room here. (laughs) The thing is that sites have to be shared on the Superior Hiking Trail— But they just moved on, put off by his manner. Felix tells me some people are very loud. He went to a Quaker school, learning how to be quiet and to simply be. It would be useful if everyone had a bit of how-to-be-quiet training. But right now, it's totally quiet because I don't see a soul. I cross a bridge and enter the Mystery Mountain ski trails. The path goes steeply up and down through dark green forest. Sometimes I get switchbacks, but oftentimes the trail simply shoots straight up or down, and I have to use my hands to keep from slipping. Raindrops patter the canopy, but never reach me. Nonetheless, I'm soaked in sweat as I cross Moose Mountain, high on a ridge without views. Fungus crawls up the side of a tree, and a woodpecker leaps from one to the next, clinging upright to the side. A sign indicates a spur to a view, but I skip it knowing everything's in fog. Even at famous Oberg Mountain, I pass the loop and push on, waiting for sun to peek out and burn off the mist. I catch a glimpse of its massive cliffs through trees, solid and slightly menacing in the dim light. There's no sense to climb up on the Laveau Loop either, so I content myself flying fast through the forest, eating raspberries and talking to myself. This is when I know I'm walking well, when I cover a lot of topics and laugh at myself over interesting choices in my past. I've walked all of the Superior Hiking Trail in sections, never with any planning, just grabbing parts here and there over the 14 years I've lived here. Some places I know well, and others I forget about finding new surprises when I return, like incredibly steep ascents I'd forgotten about or dense forests that go on a bit too long. But this section I remember because I brought my friend Debbie here years ago. We set up camp at a site only a mile from the road, then headed to Carlton Peak for the spectacular views and returned to the same spot. There's no water between that site and the peak, And I remember this because we overheard a group of backpackers unsure where to camp, and I graciously offered to share our site, which sits by a creek. They were good enough neighbors, if a bit unwise, storing garbage in a plastic bag within reach of the squirrels. So I take note to stop here and fill up my water, as well as drink a lot. All that heavy breathing on steep ascents and profuse sweating in the humidity has made me very thirsty. I plan lunch on the peak, a place I've been to dozens of times. But that doesn't mean that I remember just how steep it is. In a little over a mile, the trail gains 600 feet, and the path is strewn with boulders, more of a climb than a hike. By the time I reach the summit, I'm soaked through with sweat, and I'm hungry. I find a shady spot and mix up a cheese dip with crackers, plus a banana chocolate shake. The sun's burned off most of the fog up here, and I can see deeply into the tree-covered sawtooth mountains, like waves toward the horizon. There's a few concrete pads with rusting pieces, all that's left of a gondola from many years ago. I have the place to myself, except for four guys who come to tell me they're from Colorado, so this is no big deal. Why, I wonder, do these types bother coming here at all? The fog still covers Superior, and the men quickly leave. It's pretty beautiful up here, just as it is. Ancient volcanic rocks crushed and moved by glaciers, leaving spectacular formations like these cliffs, as well as all the steep mountains I've walked today. It's hot, and there's nowhere to camp here, so I head down— taking a wrong turn, which puts me on a shortcut that I have to scoot on my butt, tossing my lekkies down first. This side is all steep on massive boulders, each step carefully calculated. I meet a man and his grandson, the elder sweating like me. His granddaughter sits at a picnic table below, too afraid of heights. Years ago, I climbed up this rock tied to another climber, It's exhilarating up here with Gitchigumi a thousand feet below and views for miles. Much of it is on a slab, where friction and carefully placed feet and hands carry you up, less brute force and more technique. But now I'm headed down through thick raspberry bushes and wonky wooden platforms over dried-up streams. One is high and bouncy, and I hope it holds me. It's a long way down to the Temperance River— low-water-exposing boulders, boys throw rocks into mist-filled falls. It's spectacular looking into the tight chute where the water has carved deep, rounded tunnels, large rocks acting as drills, spinning and digging holes. I cross a bridge which gives me a view straight in, but the low water is softer without power. I follow the river to a parking lot and spy a fly fisherman working a pool. From here... The trail heads straight up, never quite wanting to level off. I dig in, breathing hard, but feeling my heart pumping well, no sign of it racing beyond where I can control it. I reach a ridge with views and fog, but it's up some more and even more before finally heading down to cross river. I intend to camp past here at a creek, but I don't trust that the water's running, so I look for a place to fill up at the river. I pass two sites, and the trail takes on New Zealand proportions, heading straight up and down to avoid a cliff. I'm often far from the river, and wonder if I made the right choice to keep moving. But eventually I reach an access, and I head in. It's still moving, but obvious that only in the past few weeks it's drying up, the smooth river rocks exposed. I sit on one of them and find a small falls to fill the dirty water that needs to be filtered. I punched holes in those dirty water bags and affixed a string so I can let gravity do the work, the water passing through the filter and into a bottle held on by a joiner. I decide to make dinner here, soaking noodles for a cold pad thai. My food is working well but it's a bit messy squeezing two packets of peanut butter into a bag of noodles, vegetables, and spices. There's almost no way to avoid spilling as I gobble up every last bit. I'm full and happy with just two miles to go. I pick a few raspberries before entering a cedar forest, the spindly branches like a curtain covering a massive meadow, a rich light green in the afternoon. I see the creek, mostly a dry bed, but there is a tiny bit gurgling under the sound of a raucous squirrel family in a dead tree. I have the place all to myself, and set alley coop to, brush my teeth and crawl in, just as darkness falls and everything goes silent. You're listening to The Blissful Hiker Podcast, In a series of personal essays coupled with found sound and my own flute playing, this podcast explores my journey of self-discovery as a middle-aged woman, sharing the sometimes unglamorous but vital truth about empowerment as badass people who don't need permission to blaze our own trails in this journey we call life. I wake to clear skies and the squirrels chattering again. Yesterday I was full of spit and vinegar, moving fast and strong up those famously rocky and steep bits of Minnesota's north shore. A trifle compared to anything in the real mountains, but a slog in that minuscule span of time, the breath heavy, and the healthy heart pounding. The squirrels aren't going to let me sleep, one visiting just to see if I might have gotten careless with my food. No such luck, buddy. Okay, I'll get up. Sitting up first in the palace that is the Alley Coop 2, my gossamer gear, the one, a single-walled, single-piece tent set with my walking sticks and six pegs. It rained last night, so I'm careful not to brush against the ceiling, damp to the touch. But as I said, it's giant, and I have loads of room to pack up, throw out my gear bit by bit, then dress and prepare to go. I have no idea why this became such a habit, but I don't eat until I'm well along the trail. Did that do me in in Montana, not getting enough nutrition and liquid at the start? Or is it just wanting to get a move on as if dawdling will slow the momentum? Yesterday, I felt like a through-hiker, moving fast and smooth, ticking off miles while still taking pictures and breaks at the best spots. Today, I'm getting a small taste of the other side of the through-hiker— the one where they feel like they've walked past the same tree a hundred times and less thrilled about a steep ascent right at the start. But it does take me out of the dense green and up to exposed rock. Tower view, a sign reads, and there it is, a tower close to the lake. The sky is clear, but it's thick and humid. My view isn't obstructed by mist, but neither is it crisp, the trail takes a sharp turn and goes right back into the forest as if through a leafy tunnel. My mind wanders and I think of the ease in yesterday's non-stop conversation with the air, the laughter at my sometimes silly mistakes, and the feeling that with each step I was coming closer to that state of bliss where I feel the spirit close at hand. Today it's a bit more forced— over warped boardwalks, along root-filled paths strewn with boulders, where I have to watch every step, and then down steeply on dried mud. The next site feels much further away than the mileage indicates. I'm so glad I stopped myself from moving further last night, even when I felt so good and thought I could get here. It was 6.30 when I finally arrived, and I would have been walking this in dim light. The site is not all that special either, next to a river, but tucked among the trees. My goal for breakfast is Alfred's Pond, a place I sat for hours a few years back, so still that dragonflies landed on my knees. First, I cross a road, then cross it again just before a truck passes. I like meeting people at roads who might sell me a beer, but when they're driving by and kicking up dust, it always kind of spooks me, so I move fast and let the forest swallow me back in. From Dyer's Creek, it's back up, and I feel my legs now tired from yesterday's overkill exertion and ready for a break. A horsefly buzzes me as if to emphasize that today is a new day and I'm going to feel the challenge more deeply. I grab my bug burka out of a side pocket and throw it over my head. He doesn't take the hint, but at least he won't land on my face. I stop for a moment to scoop up a few raspberries, perfectly plump and tart, falling into my fingers right when I touch them. As I reach for seconds, the horsefly lands on my outstretched hand, and I notice his lovely pale brown wings folded back before I swat him dead. It's not long before I see a meadow to my right hidden by a scrim of trees and nestled inside is the pond just as I remembered it, The sky reflected in a placid surface. A dragonfly with a sporty blue-striped body hovers close by, keeping the place clear of mosquitoes and horseflies. There's a boardwalk to the edge with two triangular benches. I pull out the bear canister from my pack and make breakfast. First cereal, then a shake, followed by two bars. The raspberries clearly weren't enough. I look down at my GPS, thinking I probably ought to check in with Richard. I fully intended to hike all day. But what's this? I'm in Duluth, he writes, and will check in when I hit Silver Bay. Gosh, he's already on the North Shore. I was prepared to keep walking. But come to think of it, I might have had enough for this test trip. So I Bluetooth the phone to the GPS and I write a message. Very short, since I'm only allowed 140 characters and suggest that we meet at the next state park, Caribou Falls. I pack up and begin moving, suddenly realizing I'll be crossing yet another road, and maybe he just wants to pick me up and get this over with. So I amend my message and suggest the road, hoping we don't miss each other. Just then I hear the lovely descending melody of a white-throated sparrow, perhaps my favorite of the birds in my Northwoods world. His gentleness feels encouraging. You've done well here, he says. You came back to the trail, and you soaked it in, both as an observer who lingered and slept out, and as one simply moving through. There's so much peace in walking, and I feared I'd lost touch with that feeling. I was desperately out of sorts in Montana. I realize that now walking these final miles to meet Richard on rickety boards over a swamp, one high above a washout and bouncing as I put my weight on it. On the CDT, I was suffering in the heat and from having to climb over so many blowdowns, as well as never clicking with the people I was walking with, if you can call it that, since I never could keep up with them. The real problem, I think, is that I was disconnected with myself. I somehow lost the sense that what I was doing mattered, that in fact, I mattered. And then my body betrayed me and just gave up out there. The walking is flat and easy now, as long as I carefully step over exposed roots and stay upright on the boardwalks. I start to sing one of my favorite songs, Randall Thompson's setting of Robert Frost's The Pasture. I whistle the piano part, then sing the last line. I shan't be gone long. long. You You come too. Just as I get to the end of the second stanza, I hear whistling coming down the path. It's Richard! You can subscribe to Blissful Hiker wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave a review on Apple to help the show get discovered. Blissful Hiker is on Patreon right now, and you can find a link to Patreon in the show notes or at blissfulhiker.com. That's also where you can find pictures, other episodes, the blog, and contact me, blissfulhiker.com. Next week, I dip my toe into a completely new trail system to me, the North Country Trail. Although, actually, the Superior Hiking Trail is part of that larger system. I'll share my adventures, and until then, my friends, kia kaha and happy trails.